Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now, in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. But I must tell you, because I'm always honest with you, we've got so much to cover today. I don't know if I'm going to get to many calls, so uh, I would just give you that heads up. And uh, normally I like to get to some calls, but uh, today we're just so loaded. I don't mean I'm drinking. You understand. I thought last night's... Republican convention was outstanding. You know, these each night is unbelievable. These speeches are fantastic. The production value is sky high. And you can see the difference between this and the Democrat convention. It looked like uh, everybody who was speaking into their Zoom or what have you, their Skype, it looked like a, uh, a massive witness protection program or like these were uh, kidnapped uh, prisoners somewhere in some third world country. And they sounded that way, too. The Democrat convention was the Hate America convention. Hate America, hate American history, hate the American Constitution and the Declaration, hate the American people, the American people are racist, America sucks, so elect us, the Democrats, and we'll fix everything. You know, like we have the major cities and... And Cuomo did New York during the virus, and Murphy did New Jersey during the virus, and Pritzker and Newsom. Yeah, turn it all over to them. That'll fix it. But here's the problem. They just nominated a truly defective candidate to run against Donald Trump. And they thought, well, this will be a shoo because we've done everything we can to smear Trump. We've got the, the Democrat Party media behind us. We've got the never-Trumpers behind us. We have the former McCain staffers. Almost 100 former McCain staffers are now for Biden. Doesn't that kind of underscore why we're for Trump? 
Oh, yeah, a bunch of Romney staffers are for Biden, too. Again, doesn't that underscore why we're for Trump? Doesn't it also underscore why we despise the Republican establishment and despise rhinos? When they ask for our support, our donations, when they ask for our our, uh, coming out and knocking on doors and voting for them, we did. Because we figured, you know, we got to beat Obama. And here we have Obama's sidekick, who turns out to be a Bernie Sanders type with the most radical agenda in American history to undermine our republic. And the Romneyoids and the McCainoids, rhymes with hemorrhoids, they're going to support Biden. It reminds me of the Tea Party 10 years ago. We come out in massive numbers. We throw Pelosi out as Speaker of the House the first time around. We went over 60, almost 70 House seats. Boehner becomes the Speaker. McConnell is the leader in the Senate. And what do they do? They turn on us. They hate us. They attack us. They attack their own base. The base owns the Democrat Party. That's why they're a bunch of kooks. Our base, constitutionalists, Tea Party activists, they attacked us. They besmirched us in the left-wing media. It was grotesque. And here they are again, the McCainoids and the Romneyoids. It's disgusting. But Nancy Pelosi, probably the most disgusting of them all. It's a hard hard pick. I call her Eva Pelosi because she's, she's so apt to use Nazi references to describe us, describe the president, to describe federal law enforcement, the military. I thought I would use one to describe her. Remember Eva Braun, Adolf's girlfriend? Well, if she wants to keep using the genre of the Third Reich, like their great leader, Joe Biden, well, then I guess we can play along, too, as disgusting as it is, as outrageous as it is. So Nancy Pelosi is at a press conference today as she waddles up there, Morticia from the Adams Family. And then she gives the voice of Beavis and Butthead. I'm not sure which she is. Maybe Butthead. <laughs> you know, <laughs> as her face is melting before our eyes, as her dentures are swimming around in her mouth. I'm sorry. It's true. As she barely blinks. She either barely blinks or blinks incessantly. And her four eyebrows are moving along. It's just difficult. It's difficult to watch. I feel bad for her. So Eva Pelosi... Well, she says what I've told you they really want to try and pull off. They really want to try and pull off that Joe Biden should not debate. And they'll come up with whatever pretext they can think of. Because they nominated a a terrible candidate, not just terrible substantively, not just terrible in terms of his resume, but a terrible candidate who can't speak, who's going to have difficulty when confronted by the President of the United States. But he's their nominee. That's who it is. And you cannot impose the most radical agenda in American history on the American people without debating these topics. He won't even come out to answer questions from a friendly left-wing kook media trying to protect him on his 110-page, well, it is like a communist manifesto. And he won't do it. 
Now, the American people, these elections are about us, not about the candidates. The American people, we have a right to demand that this man be scrutinized, that his positions be vetted, and that he speak to us. Not choreograph somebody who's, who's in a mental institution, or maybe should be. Nancy Pelosi is really Biden's campaign manager. She and the old uh, Brooklyn Red, Bernie Sanders. She's the one that's tried to destroy Trump with hearings and impeachment. Oh, in the post office. Yes. And now she's telling Biden, hey, don't debate. Don't debate. And here it goes. Cut five today. Go. I don't think that there should be any debates. I do not think that the president of the United States has comported himself in a way that anybody has any association with truth, evidence, data, and facts. Now stop there. Get this? Isn't this amazing? She is as fascistic and totalitarian as they come. You know, that last vote last week on the post office funding, 68 Democrats weren't present because she instituted this proxy system where Democrats who are present can vote up to 20 other votes by proxy for other members of Congress. We've never seen anything like this. She's so fascistic. Eva, Eva, are you there, Eva? (laughs) This is why you despise her. So there shouldn't be a debate because of Trump. And we shouldn't legitimize Trump. So this is what they figured out. She doesn't come up with this stuff on her own. She's way too stupid. So even the stupid stuff she comes up with is smarter than she is. She sits there in the speaker's office, chowing down on her expensive ice cream. And uh, they're going over, how can we, how can we help our friend Joe? who we all know as an IQ and the negatives, what are we going to do? Well, there shouldn't be a debate. Why? Because of Trump. Trump. He's just illegitimate. We can't have a debate because of Trump. Let me say this to you before I continue. They're in trouble either way. Let me be the first to put this marker down. I do this all the time, so you'll hear about it tomorrow. But let me be the first to put the marker down. They're stuck. If Joe Biden debates, he'll make mistakes. People, wow, at least he's standing up. His face isn't on the podium. I mean, that's the greatest standing up I've ever seen. That'll be the press. You know, like when he read his uh, his speech on the teleprompter for the DNC. Oh, my God, that was a killer. You know, that demonstrates that what the Republicans have been saying about Biden has never been right, Chris. And yet they are right. So it starts with Thomas Friedman, then it starts with other. Now Pelosi sent out the word publicly, everybody, the chorus line, the Rockettes in the media, the Rockettes in the Democrat Party are all going to say the same thing. No debate, because Trump's not worthy of a debate. The debates are for the American people. But if there is no debate, I don't think a lot of the American people are going to go along with that, other than the headbangers on the left. They'll go, yeah, that's a good idea. Let's protect you. Protect Joe. Protect him. Yeah, protect Joe. The Praetorian Guard media will protect Joe. But the fact is, the way Joe is not campaigning, if Joe doesn't debate, 
I think Joe's going to be in big trouble. Go ahead, please. I wouldn't. I wouldn't legitimize a conversation with him, nor a debate in terms of the presidency of the United States. Now, I know that the Biden campaign thinks in a different way about this, but I just, I thought what he did in the uh, 2016 was disgraceful, stalking Hillary Clinton like that. I was disappointed that the press didn't say, go back to your station. You're not here. You know, you, know, you, you really are an idiot. You really are an idiot. No wonder reprobates in San Francisco send you to Congress because you represent the reprobates in San Francisco. Not the patriots, the reprobates. By the way, he was stalking Hillary. Now, as I recall, Hillary was walking into his space. And so he decided later, you know what, I'll walk into her space. But Pelosi's so dainty. She's so proper, ladies and gentlemen. She's so classy. The idea that Donald Trump would walk into Hillary's space is unbelievable. Now, of course, when it came to Bill Clinton and him walking into the space of an intern, Pelosi had no problem with that. She defended him to the hilt and she supported him for president. That was okay. That's okay. And so now... The campaign begins where they don't want him to debate. Now, of course, Joe wants to debate. Oh, the campaign wants him out there. That's why he's out there every day, taking questions, demonstrating to the American people that he's he's really sharp as attack. Oh, yeah, that's why he's out there. And Joe wants a debate. He can't wait to debate. But maybe he shouldn't debate because of Trump. Right, Thomas Freeman, you fraud and fake? Nancy Pelosi, you fraud and fake? They want to deny the American people a one-on-one debate. Can you imagine that? The way she talks about Donald Trump, you'd think she was talking about the Islamo-Nazi who runs Iran. But no, no, but she talks about him with respect. You'd think she'd be talking about the genocidal communist mass murder who runs China. No, 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 but she treats Xi with respect. You'd think she'd be talking about Fidel Castro. No, 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 no. He's dead, but she used to treat him with respect. To No, it's Trump. And we can't debate Trump because he doesn't tell the truth. But Joe should be the commander-in-chief and take on all these fascists and communists. And he can do it. And he should meet with them. But he shouldn't debate with Trump. God, I hope we take the House and kick your ass out of the Speaker's office. I really do. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Now, I know you love freedom. How do I know that? Because you listen to my show. And my show and everything I do is all about preserving freedom and the form of government that secures it for us. It's the same with Hillsdale College, one of the very best truly liberal arts colleges in the nation. That's why I talk about them all the time. Because Hillsdale is committed to pursuing truth and defending liberty. Hillsdale teaches stellar students to defend freedom, no matter what they major in. Whether it's science or music or economics or business, whatever. Hillsdale teaches them how to defend liberty. And they do that for you, too, through their free monthly digest of conservative thought. It's called Imprimus. 5.4 million Americans receive Imprimus for free every month. And you, my friend and fellow freedom lover, should be reading it too. 
You can subscribe for free at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. There's no strings attached. Generous donors who want to preserve freedom for future generations make it possible for Hillsdale to send in Primus to you for no cost every month. Start receiving and reading in Primus so you can know how to defend the freedom you love. Go to levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. Welcome back. I'm sorry to waterboard you uh, this evening with Nancy Pelosi, a.k.a. Eva Pelosi. But she wasn't done. Now she wants to continue with the, the conspiracy about the post office as she tries to, to set up the president with sabotage and sabotage the vote. I think she's an operative for Putin. What do you think of that? Cut six, go. Last week, we had the day of action about the postal system. You had the day of action when 68 of your members didn't show up? (laughs) Go ahead. The president's henchmen trying to dismantle the postal system so that that would uh, mess up any uh, successful vote by mail. Now, let's stop. See, she's never questioned... The postmaster general was there because I'm a henchman. So they haven't done anything to hurt anything. The Postal Service will be conducting itself as it normally does. Nancy Pelosi is an evil, diabolical old woman. She's undermining the public's faith in the electoral system. All of a sudden in April, she's pushing the mail-in vote because, again, they sat down in her office and said, how can we... How can we try to ensure that Trump is not elected and our nominee is elected? You know, we had a failed uh, move to try and remove him from office. Let's just prevent him from office. You heard uh, Hillary Clinton screeching out the other day that uh, Joe Biden should not concede under any circumstances. These are very, very evil, diabolical people. And they try and accuse their opponents or the president of what it is that they are. Go ahead. But what they really did was hurt our veterans. Over 90% of VA medications that go out to our veterans go... So she doesn't know what the hell she's talking about. This is why people are rioting in the streets. If Nancy Pelosi wasn't the Speaker of the House, she'd be leading one of the Antifa units in Portland, Oregon. She'd be throwing Molotov cocktails. Because here, she's throwing what is politically, effectively, a Molotov cocktail. Nobody's dismantled the post office. The incompetence, bureaucracy, level after level, the post office is something that is endemic to the model of the post office. Uh, And, of course, the problem is going to be really more than the post office, the states, as we've discussed at great length here. She knows it, but she wants to break the system and then grab the presidency. So, so far, no debate as far as she's concerned. No concession. Grab the presidency. I'll be right back. Now, I know you love freedom. How do I know that? Because you listen to my show. And my show and everything I do is all about preserving freedom and the form of government that secures it for us. It's the same with Hillsdale College, one of the very best truly liberal arts colleges in the nation. 
That's why I talk about them all the time, because Hillsdale is committed to pursuing truth and defending liberty. Hillsdale teaches stellar students to defend freedom, no matter what they major in, whether it's science or music or economics or business, whatever. Hillsdale teaches them how to defend liberty. And they do that for you, too, through their free monthly digest of conservative thought. It's called Imprimus. 5.4 million Americans receive Imprimus for free every month. And you, my friend and fellow freedom lover, should be reading it too. You can subscribe for free at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. There's no strings attached. Generous donors who want to preserve freedom for future generations make it possible for Hillsdale to send in Primus to you for no cost every month. Start receiving and reading in Primus so you can know how to defend the freedom you love. Go to levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. Simply the smartest man on radio. And you can call him 877-381-3811. Now what's going on here? The Democrats are panicking. This Republican convention has not only met expectations, it has far exceeded expectations even among Republicans. And it's been spectacular. And not because of the politicians who are speaking. I mean, they're doing a great job too. Don't get me wrong. But for the reason I said on Monday evening, and others are regurgitating, it's because of the non-politicians who are speaking. And you can see the president's outreach to minorities, African Americans, Hispanics, Asian Americans. You can see the president drawing a, uh, a, a stark contrast with the Democrats. It's a very patriotic convention. It's promoting Americanism and faith and family and life. The vice president's speech last night was outstanding, absolutely fabulous. And so are the others. Even the video with John Voigt's voice, they're extremely patriotic. They make you inspired. The Democrat convention was aimed at a small percentage of the population, the disgruntled, the miscreants, the malcontents, and uh, the socialists and the Marxists. And now... The numbers are tightening, and they're tightening fast. I told you the numbers before in the battleground states, and this is even before the impact of the Republican convention. In Arizona, Biden 49, Trump 47. That's the margin of error. In Florida, Biden 49, Trump 46. Pennsylvania, Biden 49, Trump 46. North Carolina, Biden 48, Trump 47, margin of error. Wisconsin, Biden 49, Trump 44. This is before Kenosha and all the rest of it. Michigan, Biden 50, Trump 44. And if the president wins Pennsylvania and North Carolina and Arizona and Florida and Ohio and those states, he doesn't even have to win Michigan and Wisconsin, just so you know. And he's doing very well in Minnesota right now. This is before any debates. And this is before the impact, hopefully it'll be significant, of the Republican National Convention. What else is happening? Hopefully, more and more of the truth is getting out on how the president is dealing with the coronavirus. The country is coming out of extremists. It really is. Even in the South and the Southeast, 
even in the southwest and definitely in the northeast. This virus has a mind of its own. As my buddy Daniel Horowitz in Conservative Review has written, it seems to have a four to six week lifespan and then it moves on. But no president, even more than that, no human being sitting in that office could have done more than this president to deal with a pandemic that the whole world's dealing with. And it's interesting. There are charts out there now, and I put it on my social sites. You can check it out, Mark Levin Show Facebook, Mark Levin Show Twitter. There are charts out now based on the science, Nancy, that show the extraordinary results from the way the president has handled this pandemic. Extraordinary. Our mortality rate is the lowest, if not one of the lowest, in the entire world. Our testing rate is the highest in the world. The mean age of those who have died from this virus is 78 years old. Nobody dismisses those who've died from the virus. I have questioned how the states keep the records and how the CDC has asked them to keep the records. And we've gone over this over the past months because some, some states and some people are playing games. And the mortality rate would even be lower had these Democrat governors like Cuomo, Murphy, Pritzker, and others not shoved China virus positive patients in with nursing home patients and assisted care living patients. And on that front, by the way, the Attorney General of the United States has asked every state to send them the data on the death rates in the nursing homes and the assisted living homes. You want to know why? I think he's looking at a potential civil rights case. And, of course, some states are resisting. Some states are resisting. But the Democrats are getting nervous right now because they have a very flawed candidate. They're trying to protect him. They're going to become even more desperate. Their voices are going to become more shrill, much like Nancy Eva Pelosi's. You now have Ed Rollins, one of the brilliant men behind the, the Reagan uh, second term 1984 campaign, as well as the 1980 campaign. He feels that this Republican National Convention will la launch Trump to victory in 2020. You see Rove also. These are past campaign managers talking about how this has been a superb convention that will, again, strengthen Trump heading into the final uh, 60 or 70 days of the campaign. And as the libs like to say, the best is yet to come because of the debates. Now, as I said earlier, if Biden doesn't debate, I believe that hurts Biden. If Biden does belate, uh, debate, it will hurt Biden. They're stuck with a bad candidate. Isn't it interesting also that Kamala Harris is the one who will be responding tonight to the president's acceptance speech? Isn't that bizarre, Mr. Producer? I thought she's running for vice president. Again, what does that demonstrate? That Biden can't do it. Why would you have your vice president 
Kamala Spira Agnew Harris respond to Trump? I mean, if you have if you have faith in your candidate, if he can speak, if he can speak well, if he has some charisma and so forth, you would want him to respond, no? It's also interesting. We thought, you know, uh, Trump has violated all traditions here by, uh, you know, uh, during the Democrat convention. He was doing events and so forth and so on. They're worried about traditions. There's rioting going on, looting, arson in Democrat cities and Democrat states. Pelosi violates the Constitution to impeach the president of the United States. They sick criminal investigators against the president and his family. You've got a nut job in New York as attorney general violating all kinds of rules of professional conduct for lawyers in New York with investigations, criminalizing politics there, the president of the United States. And they're worried about tradition. I don't know what the uh, tradition here is. Right. Then they go after Pompeo, who gives a speech from Israel. You can't do that. That's political. Right. Oh, really? Obama's first Secretary of State was John Kerry, who had been the presidential nominee and candidate for the Democrats in 2004. Now, he got his ass kicked, but nonetheless. And then his second Secretary of State is Hillary Clinton, who tries to use that as a springboard to run for president. But they're worried about Pompeo giving a speech in Israel. Then they claim that the President of the United States, you're violating the hot track by, by, by giving your speeches and having your convention. Part of it anyway, in the White House, in the, in the Rose Garden. So the special office of uh, governmental ethics is no. There have been political events and so forth in the Rose Garden before. So they try to make a, a, a crime, a controversy, out of everything. Everything. But the rioters, we don't hear rioters. Antifa, well, Antifa's not violent. If there is violence, it's because of, uh, you know, the, the federal law enforcement that's been sent in there. So cities are burning. There's no federal law enforcement. The ratings show the public's getting sick and tired of this. Now, all of a sudden, Joe Biden yesterday issues a video. You know, like I said uh, 12 and a half years ago about riots, uh, Joe, nobody said anything at your convention. And Nancy Pelosi called federal law enforcement stormtroopers. And James Kleinberg called them Gestapo. And another one of your knuckleheads said that they were secret police. That's your federal law enforcement, ladies and gentlemen, who stand between you and these domestic terrorists. And the Biden campaign is endorsed by a Klansman. No, no headlines on that. You know why? He's fed up with Trump. He says Trump's not who we thought he was. No, he's not. And he never was. And, of course, the Biden campaign embraces anti-Semites, as does Nancy Pelosi. She's never questioned about that. Talib and Omar and the rest, anything? Nothing. Nancy Pelosi endorsed them in their primaries. That's your Democrat Party. They attack federal law enforcement. They're silent on the riots. That's not leadership, ladies and gentlemen, but that's what they stand for now. And that 110-page Communist Manifesto that I brought forth and started talking about, now other people hopefully will continue to do so, 
That's a damnable document. That's why they're not campaigning on it. That's not why they're taking that's why they're not taking any questions on it. And more and more you're going to see the liars in the media try and position Joe Biden as a decent he's so decent, Joe. No, but he was known for fondling women. Eh. Joe is decent. Lunch bucket Joe. He's never carried a lunch. Eh. Lunch bucket Joe. And he'll unite us. Does he unite us? Do you hear what he says about black people? He's a bit, ah. Joe's going to unite us. And Joe's a moderate. He's not a moderate. He's embraced every radical idea Bernie's at. Decent, intelligent, moderate, pragmatic Joe Biden. And the reason why, the reason why he won't campaign like Donald Trump is because he's responsible. Because he follows the science. Because of the virus. Joe is the man. Joe knows what to do at a moment's notice. Wait a minute. In 2009, when we had the swine flu, H1N1, Joe was a disaster. Ah. Please. That was then. This is now. I'll be right back. in. Now, I know you love freedom. How do I know that? Because you listen to my show. And my show and everything I do is all about preserving freedom and the form of government that secures it for us. It's the same with Hillsdale College, one of the very best truly liberal arts colleges in the nation. That's why I talk about them all the time. Because Hillsdale is committed to pursuing truth and defending liberty. Hillsdale teaches stellar students to defend freedom, no matter what they major in. Whether it's science or music or economics or business, whatever. Hillsdale teaches them how to defend liberty. And they do that for you, too, through their free monthly digest of conservative thought. It's called Imprimus. 5.4 million Americans receive Imprimus for free every month. And you, my friend and fellow freedom lover, should be reading it too. You can subscribe for free at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. There's no strings attached. Generous donors who want to preserve freedom for future generations make it possible for Hillsdale to send in Primus to you for no cost every month. Start receiving and reading in Primus so you can know how to defend the freedom you love. Go to levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. Malcolm Jenkins, I think he's retired. He used to be an Eagle, New Orleans Saint. He was on CNN today, and he is a threat to make to all of you. Cut three, go. And so the same systems that, that perpetuate, uh, you know, a, a cycle of incarceration, the same systems that allow state violence against unarmed civilians, the, the same system uh, that, that is taking generational wealth from black and brown people and haven't paid back a dime. Uh, all of these things are, are what we're fighting for right now in this political landscape. I hope that that turns into um, some kind of political engagement by athletes and by everybody to say that, you know, if you want the black vote. All right, let me tell you something, pal. With your racism, with your ahistoric diatribe, with your victimization, as you sit there a multimillionaire, and your only attention is only drawn to you because of the iconic position you used to hold as an athlete, you're not going to destroy this country. There are tens of millions of us who are going to stand in your way. 
white, black, brown, yellow, and red. You understand what I'm telling you, pal? I don't care how many times you repeat your lies about systemic racism, how people are taking money from black and brown people, and on and on and on. That race-based lying is not going to get you anywhere. Anywhere. Because there are those of us who love this country, and there are men and women who have fought for this country. You know, I remember, ladies and gentlemen, wasn't that long ago when we had athletes, great athletes, who put aside their careers, Ted Williams, for five years to join the military and defend this country. These jerks, having collected millions and millions of dollars, sit there in front of a damn computer and a video and tell you how crappy our country is when they've given up nothing. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. Look. Just to continue what I was saying in the last hour, people like this, that is with a radicalized ideology and mindset, regardless of it, you don't get to bully us and push us around and tell us that if we don't bow to your demands, there's not going to be peace. There's not going to be peace. He says later this, uh, Malcolm Jenkins, I think until we continue to demand it, until Black Lives Matter goes from just an idea or a goal that we're trying to attain as a society and then is actually realized in the streets, we won't see any peace. I think we'll continue to see athletes, entertainers, as well as citizens disrupt the status quo until that's recognized. Disrupt the status quo. The left owns the status quo. Who the hell do you think runs these cities, Malcolm? Who the hell do you think runs our culture, Malcolm? Who the hell do you think runs our colleges and universities and public schools, Malcolm? This is a bucket of BS. And now we're getting threats. If we don't buckle to the race baiting and the ultra-left-wing economic agenda and trash our own history and trash our own society, and undermine the civil society and our own liberty as a people, then Malcolm says we're not going to be able to live peacefully. Now, I don't know where Malcolm lives, and I don't know where LeBron lives, and I don't know where Oprah lives. I don't know where Schumer lives and Pelosi lives. I mean, we see pictures. They're not down for any revolution. They're a bunch of big mouths who are trying to incite people so they feel morally superior to everybody else. None of them are Mother Teresa. None of them have given up their wealth and decided to, quote-unquote, live among the poor. Not a damn one of them. What Malcolm doesn't understand, and so many others on the left, is the word liberty. Liberty provides 
every human being, every citizen in this country, <clears throat> with an opportunity to make something of themselves. Now they have that personal responsibility and personal accountability. I notice Malcolm doesn't talk about the long criminal records of some of these men who've gotten in confrontations with police. Not because of their race, but because of their records. The police don't go around shooting somebody in the back seven times for the fun of it. Black Lives Matter is a racist, anti-Semitic, Marxist, anarchist organization. And Malcolm is saying here, hey, you either embrace that, and we either get the changes that Black Lives Matter is demanding, or there's not going to be peace. Oh, really? And so we saw what happened in Kenosha. And you know who I blame? I blame people like Malcolm and others who are inciting the rioting. And he's on CNN today. CNN. Now, does Malcolm represent the vast majority of black men and women in the inner city? No, he doesn't. They want the cops. I'll show you survey after survey. They want the cops. They don't want them defunded. As a matter of fact, they want more cops. Black Lives Matter talks about eliminating the police. So who the hell is Malcolm talking for? Malcolm sounds like a typical left-wing white person in a wealthy neighborhood. That's who he sounds like. That's who he sounds like. Honestly, that's who LeBron James sounds like. There's not a dime's worth of difference between what they say and where they stand and Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer. Not a dime's worth of difference. Now, Malcolm doesn't talk about, nor does LeBron, as I discussed with Stephen A. last night, the over seven, almost 8,000, Black people murdered every year in our cities, 90% of whom are killed by other black people. And as I pointed out last evening, we lost around 7,000 Marines on Iwo Jima. So there's an Iwo Jima every single year in the black community, having nothing to do with the police, having nothing to do with white people, having nothing to do with capitalism. So where's Malcolm? Nowhere. Nowhere. Where's LeBron? Nowhere. I went back. I looked. They don't say anything. Nothing. The reason why CNN puts Malcolm Jenkins on, because Malcolm Jenkins is a guy who will attack Trump and who will attack the system. He doesn't get hard questions. He'll never come on a show like this. Ever. Ever. But then we get the media like this. NBC News. Gabe Gutierrez. Now, he's a newsman, right, Mr. Producer? He's a reporter. Gabe Gutierrez at NBC News on the morning schmo. Now, Joe Scarborough is a low IQ individual, unsuccessful in radio, why does he have a job on MSNBC? Well, why does Sharpton have a job on MSNBC? Why does Andrea Mitchell? This is where the reprobates of broadcasting go. 
There's nowhere else to go. It doesn't get any lower. It doesn't get any lower. Except CNN, of course. But even in their own circles, their own social circles and so-called professional circles, if you're any good, you work for the network, NBC. Not MSNBC. That's an island of idiots. It's a freak show. Hence Scarborough. Gabe Gutierrez, who I don't know, Gabe Gutierrez from uh, Gabe Kaplan. And he's a news reporter for NBC News. Now, the Blaze and the Daily Caller have had our reporters in Kenosha, Wisconsin, talking to people, videoing what's going on, which is what you're seeing all over cable TV. These very wealthy multinational corporations that own CNN and MSNBC, they're not sending reporters in, certainly not into areas that the Blaze and the Daily Caller are going into. And these are young people, brave young people. The guy that works for the Daily Caller, Richie, used to work with me at the Blaze. He's a great guy. Elijah, who works for the Blaze and goes, he's a great guy. These are brave young men. They're about 30 years old, give or take. They're not going to get Pulitzer Prize. They're not going to get anything. And they should. These slobs at CNN and MSNBC who sit on their fat asses, excuse my French, in an air-conditioned studio and comment on what they're seeing, they're not there any more than Malcolm Jenkins is there, any more than LeBron James is there, any more than Joe Scarborough or Andrea Mitchell are there. They're not there. Chuck Todd, not there. George Stephanopoulos, nope. So if you watch Levin TV tonight, those of you who subscribe can see it tonight, or those of you who have Pluto uh, on your smart TV, the Pluto network, you can see it too. I do a full interview with our Blaze reporter who's been in Kenosha for four days, including during the shooting. And he interviewed before the shooting that 17-year-old kid. And the media are calling him like a white supremacist or a militia. He's not those things. He never was. BuzzFeed's out there trying to, the same people who attack all that, that's not who he is. It's much more complicated than that. He felt he was a patriot going in there to try and protect everybody. To try and put down the, the, the violence. He had wanted to be a cop. And you'll see he's assaulted. He, he hit over the head with a skateboard. And they're trying to pull his rifle from him, and he fires off shots. It's just not so black and white. It just isn't. So here's Gabe Gutierrez, NBC News. Cut one, go. First, I want to tell you what happened here overnight. This was yet another night of protests here in Kenosha, but thankfully this one was relatively peaceful. Uh, this came after the Wisconsin governor and authorized another 500 extra members of the Wisconsin National Guard. President Trump had tweeted that he was sending in more federal resources, but local officials say that they were already bringing in more resources. Oh, so, okay, okay. No, 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 no. You see, they even have to put down Trump on this. Who's been demanding that they do something about this? And the president is sending 2,000 National Guard, making them available from states, surrounding states and so forth, 
to put this down once and for all. So I don't know what Gabe is talking about. Doesn't matter. Go ahead. Uh, the truck, the burnt-out truck behind me, that actually, uh, that happened several days ago, and authorities were trying to prevent a repeat of that. Protesters had been gathering here at the county courthouse, and again, thankfully, things remain peace, peaceful overnight. No major clashes. But there have been major clashes. And as the congressman from this area said when he was interviewed on Fox, his district includes Kenosha, they have a Democrat mayor there, that these these rioters are coming in from Chicago. Chicago's not that far from Kenosha, Wisconsin. And so what's happening, ladies and gentlemen, is this is a roving mob, a paramilitary mob, Marxist anarchists. They're all going to vote for Biden to the extent they vote. They were protected by the Democrat Party in the cities and in the state and the National Democrat Party at their convention. Only now that a town in the suburb was hit, Kenosha, is Joe Biden speaking out because of what I told you three days ago about the Pew poll. The backbench is at least quick to pick up on these things. That, that violent crime is now considered a very important issue with six out of ten voters. Uh-oh, Joe! Joe! And what is it? I'm eating my spaghetti. Joe! we got to have you make a statement. We have to make a statement. So they put out another video like Joe is a is kidnapped in Iran or something. It's in the basement. He stares into the camera and tells us that now he's against violence. Not a word, not a word at their convention. The House Judiciary Committee hearing where they attacked the Attorney General who's trying to protect our citizens. Not a word about the rioters there. You might remember Ted Cruz confronting the idiot from Hawaii where she refused to denounce Antifa. Sorry, Democrats, this is on you. You own the rioters. You own the looters. You own the arsonists. You own the violence. You own it. They're your cities. It's your party. And you wouldn't stand up and do a damn thing about it. You wouldn't even say that it's wrong until the polls start to move. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. left-wing site, quote, it's playing into Trump's hands, unquote. Democrats fear swing state damage from Kenosha unrest. 
Some Wisconsin Democrats worry that the images of violence and destruction will turn suburban voters against the party. It shows you that Democrats and Biden have no moral core, none whatsoever. You can burn the cities. Oh, yeah, the minorities are going to vote for us. No matter. Burn the cities. But not the suburbs. Leave the suburbs alone. Downtown buildings set ablaze by arsonists were still smoldering from the night. When Kirk Ingram started to paint an angel on his boarded-up storefront, it goes on and on. Ingram, a Democrat who runs a massage therapy business, said the war zone images of his city on TV were bolstering President Donald Trump's get-tough message. Well, of course, safety's number one. And yet we have this individual, Nia Malika, a con- uh, excuse me, Nia Malika Henderson, a contributor to CNN, And you have to be a radical crackpot to be a contributor to CNN, just like their hosts. Cut to go. I think you can draw a through line. Think about what that couple did. They drew guns. The McCluskeys. Who were outside their home on a sidewalk because they were black. I mean, Uh, stop, stop. First of all, you're a liar and a race baiter. I saw a lot of white people in front of their home. And they were threatening their lives. So why do you lie? And why does CNN put a liar on here like this? Go ahead. Exactly what happened uh, in that instance. And that is the message, I think, that that Donald Trump uh, wants to deliver to particularly white people, uh, that he is the one standing between uh, the lawlessness of black and brown Where do they get these people from? I said on the air here, this is a matter of fact. Fact. There are millions and millions of gun owners in this country, and most of them who have legal firearms do not live in the cities because of the city's gun laws. The vast majority of them live outside the cities, in the suburbs, in the far burbs, and in rural areas. So when Antifa or Black Lives Matter brings violence, Molotov cocktails, arson, other weapons and so forth into the suburbs... People think the suburbs are soft. They're not soft. Men and women in the suburbs, many of them, are armed. And they're armed for this very purpose. Not a race war, but if somebody tries to harm them or a family member or destroy their home or their neighborhood, they might push back. I am very worried about this. I'm the one who keeps talking about it. There are tens of millions of weapons in this country, not for hunting, not for target practice, but because people intend to defend themselves, and they intend to defend their their homes. I do. My neighbors do. I went down the street the other day. We're armed up to the teeth, Mr. Producer. There's no question about it. I got vets here, ex-cops here, other people here. It's not in every part of the country where people are are not able to defend themselves. So when you move your riots, your violence, your arson, your looting into other communities in this country, and they're not all white. I've got plenty of minority neighbors here, and I'm sick of hearing that too. I have a very diverse community that I live in, and it's getting more diverse by the week. Good. These people are out of touch on television. 
Malcolm Jenkins and LeBron James out completely out of touch. They're playing with fire. This is what happens when the civil society begins to fall apart. It's not one way. And so you have the law of the jungle, as they say, as the philosophers say. And if the police are outnumbered or the police aren't going to act because the politicians won't act, individual citizens will. That's why there's a Second Amendment. So that's why these rioters have to be put down. This has to be put to an end. And people who are threatening, you either adopt our politics and adopt our mindset or the violence is going to continue. You have no idea what you're saying. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Mark Levin is the fastest growing radio show in America. The Mark Levin Show is on at 877-381-3811. Most Americans, I have to believe, we have to believe, do not like Antifa or Black Lives Matter because of their violence, because of their hatred for America and their love of Marxism and anarchism and their anti-Semitism. Most people don't want their federal courthouses in this country under attack day in and day out, night after night. Most people in this country don't like turning on their television sets and watching storefronts burned randomly and watch people who've owned their stores, who make a, a living wage after half a century or 10 years or 20 years, they pour all their blood, sweat and tears into the operation, all their money, everything they have. We don't like to see them torched and looted in the name of reparations, or anything else for that matter. Most Americans, black, white, brown, red, yellow, albino, whatever it is, are good people. And the problem is, whether it's these athletes or Hollywood or the media types, they have their own mindsets. They reinforce one another. They're not in touch. They are out of touch. I am behind this microphone every day. What is it, 12, 14 million people listening? They are not. They all reinforce their own ideologies and attitudes. For all their talk about this community or that community, they don't live in those communities anymore. They escaped, quote-unquote, from those communities. And now they've made it. And they think spending money on this or voting on that, that it makes a difference. It makes no difference. They live one way and they talk another. It's not their storefronts being burned. Americans are sick of this. You know what else Americans are sick of? Americans are sick of being called racists. When 99.9% of Americans are not racists. Americans are sick of being told about the wealth gap. 
When Americans break their ass to earn a living, to put food on the table, to have a decent roof over their head, and to try and provide for their children and their spouse. Americans can't stand it when they're put down with generalizations and stereotypes. When you listen to these big mouths, it's like black people can't can't succeed, and white people only succeed because they're white. Everybody knows that's a lie. It's a lie. And yet this is what they perpetuate. And God willing, on election day, they'll find out how the American people feel. And God willing, the American people will shock once again, the Democrat Party, the leadership of the Democrat Party, the Democrat Party media, basketball players, hockey players, Major League Baseball players, football players, Hollywood and all the rest. You can't keep putting down the American people. You can't keep talking about the American people this way. You can't keep talking about our magnificent country this way. And think there's no consequence, politically. These people who are talking, what have they contributed to this country? I'm being very honest. What do basketball players contribute to this country? What do they give to this country? Nothing. They attack the men and women who are police. With broadsides. They don't even want to know the facts. Doc Rivers sees a 10-second video, and he knows everything that took place. Tell me, if you saw a 10-second video of a minority allegedly doing something to a white person, and you don't have all the facts, can you draw conclusions from that, Doc Rivers? You shouldn't. We have an entire justice system built up to deal with this. At the local, state, and federal system. All kinds of. Of, of, of procedures for trying to get to the truth, but it doesn't apply, you see, for the left. That guy was shot seven times in the back by a white cop, and he's black, so that's that. No, that's not that's that. And now we learn more. What happened? He was tased. LeBron James says, why don't they try and tackle the guy? They did, and they tased him. But when adrenaline's running, sometimes it doesn't work on people. And he got up. Well, he's just going in the car and you shot him in the back. And now we know there was a knife in the car on the floorboard. That, that's, not a, that's not a cut and dry situation, but it shows you you now have more facts. Meanwhile, the NBA is on strike or something, Mr. Producer, to show its solidarity with, I guess, Jacobs, or, or I'm not sure why. And this is how they, uh, they demonstrate their, uh, their concerns and their beliefs. They shut down their own business. How stupid is that? How stupid is that? They're so woke, they're woke against themselves. Hey, I have an idea. What is it? Let's screw ourselves. What? Yeah. And the league we play for. Yeah, 
Let's do it. They're down for what revolution? They sound like a bunch of idiots, quite frankly. But I think we have a right to ask those who speak out and make themselves public, what have you contributed to this society? I'm not asking you this side or that. In your, in your career, in your life, what have you done? You didn't do what Ted Williams did. And I can go down a whole list of athletes. And by the way, white and black and brown. I can go down a whole list of athletes. Unfortunately, most of them are not modern athletes. This generation of athletes, which are spoiled like no other athletes, like none others, which are wealthy like no other athletes in American history, none others. Now, you know, many of you may not have agreed with Muhammad Ali. Actually, I'll tell you what's interesting. Muhammad and I, Ali and I became quite friendly. I was chief of staff to the Attorney General, Ed Neist, during the Reagan administration. And Muhammad Ali would call me from time to time. Have I ever told this story, Mr. Producer? He would call me from time to time. As you know, he was a practicing uh, Muslim. He was very upset about pornography in this country. And the Attorney General and the President of the United States, Ronald Reagan, they had a program in place that was really focused not just on pornography, but child pornography, which is a huge problem in this country. Huge problem. And the Attorney General was mocked about, oh, look at this, here's a pornography commit. This is what the left and the media do. Well, one of the people who was very, very supportive of this and wanted to know what he could do to help and wanted to focus on this was Muhammad Ali. And he would call me, actually, for a period of time quite often. And when his Parkinson's got very, very bad, obviously he stopped calling. But he would call me and ask me about the progress in this area, what could he do, told us to fight on despite the press. And I would pass this on to the Attorney General. In fact, I have a, a photograph of him with his, you know, in, in the ring. And, and he drew a boxing ring, you know, with his own pen and wrote a very, very nice little note to me and then joked about, don't you, ever want, don't you ever think you can beat me and get in the ring with me? And I was told it took him an hour and a half to write that. Why am I bringing this up? Muhammad Ali wasn't like Malcolm Jenkins or LeBron James. Muhammad Ali was a pacifist. He believed that's what his faith required. So when he was drafted into the Vietnam War, he said, I'm not going. It was very, very controversial. So he went to prison for several years. Malcolm Jenkins isn't doing anything. LeBron James isn't doing They're not going to have a basketball game? Wow, wow! That's amazing! I've never seen anything like that! They're not down for any revolution. They're not down for anything. He's a big get-out-the-vote guy, the Democrat vote. He says people in the inner cities are suppressed from voting. Well, if they're suppressed from voting, it's due to the Democrats who run the cities because they're the ones who are in charge of voting in the cities, where the precincts are. It, 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 it's just all incoherent. A slew of athletes who've gone off to war, given up their careers for years at a time. You have Ali who went to jail, standing up for what he believed. And by the way, Muhammad Ali loved this country. Loved it. 
And I can't speak for him, but if I had to guess, he would be repulsed by this rhyming. Absolutely repulsed. He really was a man of peace. And in an interesting way, when I hear the president speak, and when I, we used to see Muhammad Ali on TV as a young man, they had the same kind of charisma and brash personality and so forth, and they came under the same kind of attacks. And yet both of them are heavyweights. Trump won the presidency, and Ali, of course, is one of the greatest boxers of all time. You know, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac buy or guarantee most U.S. mortgages, and recently they informed leaders that they'd be charging a 0.5% refi fee, which starts September 1, to protect themselves from higher risks related to the coronavirus pandemic. Now, this can mean mortgage rates may be slightly higher, but they still are very competitive, meaning it is still a good time to call American Financing to see what you qualify for as soon as you can. After all, lower rate means hundreds in monthly savings, plus tens of thousands of long-term savings. It's the kind of money you can't miss out on, really, unless you just sit there and don't act. And I want to encourage you, please, act. If you want to capture a rate that's still near all-time lows, you need to act fast and call American Financing. They are the best, bar none. There's no pressure, no obligation. It's a family-owned business. And you'll just have a simple conversation about what your requirements and needs are and what your wants are. And they'll talk around ways that you can save. Because American Financing mortgage consultants are in it for you. They don't get a commission. So call right now. You've heard me talk about this. Get ready. Go. 888-900-1828. Or visit AmericanFinancing.net. American Financing, NMLS 182334, www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. I've got to tell you about the best money-saving trick you might not know about. You've got to use Honey, the online shopping tool that searches the web for coupon codes and automatically applies the best one it finds to your card. Now, it's not a scheme. It's not unlawful. It's something that's very, very available to you. So let me clarify. Honey's completely free. There's no catch. But it's not too good to be true. Here's how it works. Honey partners with over 30,000 vendors to get you discount promo codes so you'll shop on those websites, which we're going to shop on anyway. They make the sale, and you get the best deal every time. It's a win-win. So next time you're shopping online, do it the really smart way with Honey. It'll take you two clicks to set up. Again, it costs you nothing. Go to joinhoney.com slash Levin to get started. That's joinhoney.com slash L-E-V-I-N. Then click on Add Honey. Click on Add Honey. That's it. You're set. You can start saving money right away. So that's joinhoney.com slash Levin. Joinhoney.com slash Levin. And then click on Add Honey. And then start your buying on the Internet. Al Gore suggests the military will remove Trump from office if he won't concede on election night. Now notice what's going on here. Hillary Clinton says Biden should not concede under any circumstances. 
Nancy Pelosi intends there to be a long, drawn-out courtroom fight in courtrooms throughout the battleground states because of the mail-in vote due to the states, not so much the post office, but she is pushing the narrative and positioning it's the post office thanks to Trump. And then Al Gore's out there saying, if Trump doesn't concede on election night, the military's going to go in and remove him. So Biden should fight as long as it takes. Pelosi's going to make sure there's chaos, anarchy, all kinds of litigation in her hopes that we won't know on election night. And then Al Gore says the military should remove Trump on election night. These are sick bastards. These are people who are undermining this country, undermining the public's faith in this election. This is exactly what they're doing. First, they try and stop Trump as a candidate. They literally spy on his campaign, the Obama-Biden administration. They literally lie to the FISA court so they can continue spying on Trump and his campaign through Carter Page, among others. Then they try to set up his people, including Lieutenant General Michael Flynn. They try and set up the President of the United States, the Director of the FBI. In the Oval Office, they're hatching a plot. Obama, Biden, Rice, Yates, Comey. A plot. A Russia collusion plot. They're unmasking. Republicans are unmasking people in the Trump campaign. Then they they managed to pressure, unfortunately, Sessions to recuse himself. Then a bureaucrat's name, the deputy attorney general, to be the attorney general for these purposes. And now all of a sudden you have a, a long-term criminal investigation, which comes up with nothing. Then we get the testimony, thanks to Richard Grinnell, that's released the secret under oath testimony of virtually all the key people in the Obama administration saying there is no Russia collusion. The whole thing was a lie. We have an effort by the FBI to use the 25th Amendment to remove the President of the United States. And now, they said we couldn't remove him. We tried to impeach him. We've tried a coup. We've tried criminal. We have tried everything. A lesser man would have been broken. A lesser man would have resigned. A lesser man would have been pushed out of office. Now, Trump wants to be reelected. What's four more years? What can we do to stop him? We must sabotage election night. We must sabotage the vote. We'll have the media behind us like we did with the phony Russia issue, like we did with the phony criminal investigation like we did with the leaks about the FISA court. We will have the media behind us. Under no circumstances can he be declared a winner on election night. Even if he's in the lead, we challenge him and we blame him on the post office. We go after the mail-in vote, as we've done all over the country. We've used it to take defeat and use it as victory. This is what they're doing. And so just listen to them. Hillary Clinton, Biden, don't concede under any circumstances. So he's not going to accept a loss. Pelosi, this is how we'll do it. Overwhelm the system in the states. Blame the post office. Trump runs it and say Trump did this. Litigate. Even if he's behind, we'll claim that we won despite his sabotage efforts. 
And if we're behind, we'll claim he has sabotaged the election. And Al Gore, well, if Trump dares to challenge any of the mail-in voting, the military needs to go. The military needs to go in and remove him. The Democrat Party is no longer a patriotic American party. It is a vile, diabolical party run by vile, diabolical people. I'll be right back. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, this final hour of the podcast is sponsored exclusively by AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we care about, faith, family, and freedom. Thank you for listening, and please support AMAC. And you can become a member at amac.us slash join. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin. Our number, 877-381-3811. Warning. I don't know that I'll get the calls today. I'll make up for it next week. 877-381-3811. You know, Carter Page has been out there for several years. He's been out there for several years because he was an early target of the Obama administration, which tried to use him to get to the president of the United States, which tried to use him to conduct a coup against the president once he was elected, and honestly tried to frame him. And so he really was a for a period of time, not physically a political prisoner, but the effect is the same when you're targeted by your own government. And he has a magnificent new book out called Abuse and Power, How an Innocent American Was Framed in an Attempted Coup Against the President. Carter Page, how are you, sir? I'm doing great, Mark. Great to be with you. It's a pleasure to finally meet you, by by, by radio, of course. Now, let's kind of start at the beginning. We don't have all night, but let's start at the beginning Give us a little bit of your background and then how you got caught up in this and when you first realized you were caught up in this. Well, the, really the background, Mark, is – and it, it really follows along well with your book, Unfreedom of the Press, because I, I first started getting caught up in it when, in September of 2016. I was a junior unpaid volunteer for the uh, – trying to support the, uh, the first Trump campaign in 2016. And unfortunately, I started getting calls uh, over the months prior, New York Times, Washington Post, Wall Street Journal. And I'm, and I'm wondering, why are all these big news organizations contacting me? It turns out the DNC and their operatives had hired some uh, opposition research people to dig up dirt, if you will, on then-candidate Trump and all of his supporters. So, and the fact that I, so as for my background prior to being a uh, Trump Trump campaign supporter, I had served in the, in the U.S. Navy. I had worked uh, in, in business, and I also had done a lot of deals in Russia, a investment banking deals. Uh, helping the privatization and 
the helping Russia uh, come into the free market economy during and, uh, and let me just say this Carter so people understand this was encouraged by the United States government for a period of time because the old Soviet Union had collapsed we wanted Russia to transition into a capitalist uh, economic system more of a democratic or representative type government so your activity in Russia this was the sort of thing that was encouraged after the uh, after the Iron Curtain fell correct that's absolutely right and I was also inspired by your old boss Mark I when I was growing up uh, in uh, Our Lady of Lords High School in up, upstate New York, uh, I, I watched uh, President Reagan in his uh, nuclear arms control negotiations with the Soviets and the change that he had on the world. And not only from a national security standpoint in terms of future improvements to U.S. foreign policy and uh, global foreign policy, but also the economic development for these uh, emerging markets re uh, regions. So, and he, you know, your your prior administration uh, during the Reagan administration was really on the front lines of that, and it was an inspiration for me, and it was something that I wanted to do. I mean, I was a Eagle Scout, uh, Catholic altar boy, and uh, had done really well in high school, and so I decided that I wanted to volunteer, and I, I was nominated uh, to the U.S. Naval Academy and, uh, and, uh, started there in, uh, right, right towards the end of the, uh, of the Cold War era. So here you are, a patriotic young man, a patriotic older man. You're conducting the, bu your business, nothing nefarious going on. And you're getting calls from the New York Times and the Washington. What are they calling you about? Well, I keep getting these ridiculous false allegations asking about a meetings with Russian oligarchs who are under U.S. sanctions, people that are uh, were in these crazy uh, allegations that I may somehow be involved in the hack against the DNC in 2016, mm -hmm. all just completely out to lunch. And I'm wondering, where are they getting these same allegations? And sure enough, I knew, I, and I had worked with the U.S. intelligence community for many decades, going back to my years in the Navy, and I had a few contacts in the intelligence community, and they told me, well, the, uh, the Democrats have hired these foreign agents to dig up dirt on then-candidate Trump. And so, and you know, given the fact that I was a supporter and I had some background in Russia, um, I realized immediately that that was, that was the source, unfortunately. So the Democrat Party or the Hillary campaign are, through, through straw men, like law firms and so forth, are the ones actually in touch with, with foreigners trying to dig up dirt on Trump. And your name pops up because you've, as you said, you've, you've done some deals with Russians. Uh, but you also had an association uh, with our intelligence agencies, correct? Yes, yes. And I, I never, I just for professional reasons, I never wanted to talk about that. Uh, mm -hmm. But with the investigations related to the election interference by the Obama-Biden administration and the, the Democrat Party, uh, it was eventually revealed by the U.S. Department of Justice Inspector General in a massive FISA abuse report last year in December of 2019, 
that uh, yes, it was revealed that I was uh, had supported and worked with the U.S. intelligence age, uh, community, including the CIA, uh, for many years. And yet you were one of the main subjects of the first FISA application and three subsequent FISA applications to justify, in large measure, spying not just on you, but presumably through the back door early on uh, the, tr- the Trump campaign, the Trump transition, and I guess Trump world, correct? Absolutely. And that's, again, only part of the story has come out thus far. I mean, again, the huge breaking news report last December with the Inspector General report. Uh, Unfortunately, you know, it only gives one side of the story because it's it's based on a series of interviews with 100 people who were involved in the FISA abuse, right? So it's you know, largely Democrat-leaning people, former DOJ officials and current DOJ officials who were acting against then-candidate Trump and into the uh, – throughout the initial year, at least, of his uh, early administration. Now, when did you come to realize what was being done to you and how you were being used? Well, I, I kept getting these clues. Again, I had ties to the intelligence community, and a, f- a few people had mentioned it to me that they had hired foreign spies from London uh, for this uh, international election interference to dig up dirt against uh, President Trump. But So after all these uh, calls from major news outlets, New York Times, Wall Street Journal, Washington Post, CNN, etc., they really uh, – no one was was willing to print uh, to print that, and then finally on September twenty third, twenty sixteen, there's this big report by Yahoo News, and that was part of the basis for the initial FISA warrant and all, the subsequent uh, FISA warrants against me. This defamatory news report, um, and so eventually these FISA warrants are filed in uh, October of two thousand sixteen, just in the weeks leading up to the. 2016 election. And we know now, of course, that a top FBI lawyer lied about your association uh, with the CIA, uh, having contacted the CIA to determine what that was, and that was included, his lie, as a basis for getting this FISA warrant, wasn't it? Yes, absolutely. And again, there's just so much more to this story. Believe it or not, and it's not talked about in uh, August 2020, just a couple of weeks ago when the uh, charging document was filed against uh, Kevin Kleinsmith, but I actually – I had a long series of interrogations by the FBI during – in the midst of all this Russia hysteria throughout the entire month of March 2017. And uh, so my the FBI counterintelligence agents I was meeting with, they put you know my lawyer wanted to talk to talk to the FBI, so they uh, they said well we'll we'll put you in touch with an, an FBI lawyer, and sure enough that individual was Kevin Kleinsmith, and so you know there was uh, we had a lot of direct uh, ties with him, and unfortunately you know perhaps one of the saddest things about this is. Despite the dishonesty, which uh, you're referring to in terms of this charging document uh, from a couple of weeks ago, the even worse thing, in, in my personal view, is I was informing him of all these death threats that I was getting based on these false media reports. 
And unfortunately, apparently they did nothing because I, I informed he and my lawyer, both of us were in touch with him in early April 2017. And nonetheless, these, number one, the false reports keep coming. And number two, the death threats and uh, kind of terrorist terror threats kept coming at least until October uh, that year. So over over a half a year later. Were you ever brought before a grand jury? Yes, yes, and I, I get into that in uh, detail. Uh, in and that's and that's yep. frightening, isn't it? You know, I I actually it, it was just so preposterous. I, I kept a, you know, and you had mentioned it in your uh, in your prior segment about how president you know President Trump has fought back, and you know lesser men would have been broken. I. I felt uh, that I had to fight back because I knew so much was at stake. And so I, I always, similar to his approach in terms of not backing down when uh, dishonest people are, are up against him, I, I took the very same approach. And I, I kept a, a very positive attitude when I was in the, uh, the grand jury in, in Washington at the Prettyman Courthouse. And unfortunately, all three of the DOJ uh, Mueller witch hunt team, uh, all three that were in the grand jury with me that Friday, uh, full day of interrogation, they were all Democrat donors, of course. And they were trying to destroy you, weren't they? Yes. And also try to catch me in a, a perjury trap. I mean, mm -hmm. they, they literally, I mean, I'm not, you're not allowed to bring one piece of paper into the grand jury and they have literally stacks of papers. Mm -hmm. And they had, this is already after, uh, for over a year, the U.S. government has been collecting all of my information, wiretapping my phones, hacking all of my emails. So they had all the information available, all, and so, and I have nothing. So it was sort of the ultimate quiz bowl uh, in terms of. Well, let, let me everything. let me let me just tell the audience: we barely touched the surface. No American should be treated like you were. No American should be treated like you are. You're a patriot. I mean, you're a Ph.D. You've uh, uh, you have an MBA. You have uh, you have a stellar background. Uh, you love your country. And they tried to take you down. The FBI tried to take you down. Uh, I'm not impressed with these FISA judges in the least. Uh, subsequently, uh, the Mueller team tried to destroy you. And all because you were associated with President Donald Trump and candidate Donald Trump. But this is a a story. You've been on TV and radio a lot, but your book really lays it out. It's impossible to lay it out properly on TV and radio. I want to strongly encourage people to get a copy of this, to see what took place by the Obama administration and then the, the, the remnants of the Obama administration, the Mueller team and the media it is a disgusting disgrace. It's called abuse and power, how an innocent American was framed in an attempted coup against the president. I couldn't say it better. Carter Page, you can get this at uh, Amazon.com, Amazon.com, any major bookstore. We're going to post it on Mark Levin Show Facebook, Mark Levin Show Twitter. I want to thank you, my friend, and I'm sorry you had to go through all this. I really am. Thank you so much for your intellectual intensity and keeping the spotlight on this for the last several years. Uh, Mark, I couldn't have done it without uh, strong uh, voices such as yours, so I really appreciate it. And I hope to meet you someday. And God bless you. All right. We'll be back. Mark Lovin.
AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead, A-M-A-C dot U-S. absolutely stunning. You know, you think you know almost everything that took place. Uh, we followed it so closely here. We broke a lot of stories here, and I pulled together a lot of facts here. You really don't. And now Carter Page is free to speak, and you really should read what he has to say. What was done to an honest, innocent, patriotic American citizen by the Obama administration by Democrats who get in positions of power as FBI agents and prosecutors, by Democrats in the media, it's just shocking. Absolutely shocking. You really need to read this. Abuse and Power by Carter Page, Amazon.com, or, or go on my social sites and grab a copy. You know, tonight the President of the United States is going to speak, as you know, at the Republican Convention later in the evening. And I guarantee you he's going to give a spellwinder. I haven't seen it. I've read it. I haven't heard about it. And I guarantee the left will attack it and the Democrats will attack it. But I want to encourage you to contact as many family members, friends, colleagues, coworkers, neighbors, you name it as possible. Go to your email list. Go to your text list, phone numbers, and tell them to watch. After this show, of course, because the president won't speak before it, but after this show, tell them to watch the president of the United States. You can watch him on C-SPAN without all the commentary, if you like, or Fox, of course. But it's very, very important that we get the word out to as many people as possible. And if you know people who are on the fence or independents or Democrats and they're not sure, even more than anybody else, those are the ones you want to listen. Maybe they're your kids. Maybe they're other relatives. Just tell them to listen. Uh, because I, I don't know what he's going to say, but I bet you it's going to be fantastic. And so the bigger the audience that watches, the bigger the audience that listens, the better. All right, folks, I shall return. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. 
More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. America's mentor of conservatism. Call now at 877-381-3811. You know, every now and then when I go to Israel, it's the damnedest thing. My family and I are walking in Tel Aviv, and we bump into a gentleman who is really a terrific guy. He's the former ambassador to the United States from Israel, Michael Oren. How are you, sir? Good. We're missing you over here, Mark. When you yeah, come back. Well, well, you know, you got that little thing called a quarantine, so I gotta, I gotta work around that. Um, okay, let's give you a nice hotel for 14 days. Yeah, exactly. Um, do you remember that? We kind of bumped into you on the street of Tel Aviv. That was very interesting. Unbelievable, unbelievable. But that miracles happen in this country. Every yes. Day. Well, Hopefully you are, uh, you, you were a terrific ambassador. Uh, you've got your pulse on things that are going on in Israel, and you've written a terrific book. So I want to get to all of this. First of all, the book's called The Night Archer. And other stories. You're a uh, you're a novel writer. You're a fiction writer, huh? I'm also yeah, a nonfiction writer. I wrote history books, Six Days of War, Power Picking Fantasy. And By the way, that was a great book, Six Days of War. Anyway, go ahead. And uh, but I've also been a, a fiction writer. I've been a fiction writer since I was a kid. And these stories are stories that I wrote when I was in government. I was a member of Knesset. I was a deputy to Prime Minister uh, Netanyahu. And, uh, you know, like in the United States, you know, you're not supposed to write a book if you're in the White House. You're not supposed to write a book if you're in the Congress. In Israel, you can write, but you can't publish. Mm-hmm. So every morning I got up early, wrote these more than 50 stories. Everyone is completely different. And uh, there's ghost stories and history stories and mystery stories and political stories, of course. And, um, you know, in the age of corona, if, if you want to be entertained, you want to go on an adventure, this is the book for you. You know, it's interesting. I write a lot of nonfiction books, and it takes time. I could never write a fiction. I think it's harder to write. What do you think? I think it comes from a completely different part of your brain. Mm-hmm. I think it's, uh, I could sit down and write two hours of fiction and go right into nonfiction, right into history, right off the edge, and uh, it doesn't affect it at all. It's just it comes from a different place, and it comes from a very deep place. And I always say the stories, I don't think of these stories. These stories sort of think of me. They come to me, and... Uh, and I have actually no choice but to write them. And I always have the same reaction. Every time I get an inspiration to write one of the stories, my first reaction is, you know, nah, I can't possibly write that. It's too, too much out of the box. And, and you sit down and you do it. And it, it's not easy, but it's very, very rewarding. That's because both sides of your brain working. Only one side of my brain is working. All right, I have a couple of questions for you. Please. Um, this uh, U.S. deal that was worked out with Israel and UAE, and maybe other Arab countries. This really is uh, historic, isn't it? Oh, it's a total breakthrough. It's not a breakthrough. It completely undermines 
all of the assumptions of what we call the peace industry, and you know the peace industry market, it's the media, it's the universities, it's those think tanks in Washington, they've had assumptions about the peace process that go back 30 years, 50 years, even 70 years to Israel's creation. And what were they? First of all, to make peace between Israel and the Arabs, Israel had to give up something, had to give up land. You know, back in the 50s, it was expected that Israel would give up the entire Negev Desert, which is 62% of the country. And then we had to give up the West Bank, you had to give up Gaza, you had to give up Jerusalem, you had to give up something. Along comes agreement, Israel gives up absolutely nothing, and it gets peace, it gets complete peace. The other assumption was that the core of all Middle Eastern conflicts, you know, the Shiites, the Sunnis, uh, the Syrians, the Iraqis, the core conflict is the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. If you solve that conflict, you solve all the other conflicts in the Middle East. Amazing that they actually thought this. And it was amazing after 2011, after the Arab Spring, that they still thought this. But clearly, Israeli-Palestinian conflict wasn't the cause of the Syrian civil war, but they still thought this in the peace industry. And then the core of that conflict was the Israeli settlements, Jerusalem. And if Israel had settlements, you couldn't make peace. Well, guess what? Israel didn't uproot a single settlement for this peace agreement. Israel, the Palestinians were sidelined. And we still made peace. Mm-hmm. And the other core concept, and this is interesting, this is what President Trump has done. He completely reversed it. Always in the past, every time the Palestinians left the negotiating table, and they always left the negotiating table, usually with violence, they didn't get punished for it. They got rewarded for it. They got an embassy in Washington. They got money for UNRWA and other Palestinian agencies. This time, the Palestinians leave the table and they get punished. They get punished again and again and again. And the irony of it is, I would not be in the least bit surprised if in the next couple of weeks we begin to hear that the Palestinians are ready to come back to the table because now they're not being rewarded anymore. So it's a stunning breakthrough. And it's the last word. It's the wedding with a D, a double D, of the most innovative country in the world, which is Israel, with one of the wealthiest countries in the world. <laughs> it's going to be absolutely transformative for the entire world. And I hear there's other countries that are that are likely to, to, to join in. You hear that too? Yes, yeah, sure. And I, you know, in Washington, I had uh, contacts with all these countries, with their embassies, usually with their foreign ministers. They wanted to make peace back then. Now they have a precedent. I wouldn't be surprised if you hear from the Omanis, uh, from the Bahrainis, from the Sudanese um, in the next couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. By the way, the book is The Night Archer and Other Stories. Well, tell us about The Night Archer. Well, The Night Archer is, is one story in this book. It's published by a, a new press called Wicked Sun. And Wicked Sun is uh, the press run by uh, Adam Bellow. You may remember his uh, father, Saul Bellow. Oh, yes. A Nobel Prize winner. And uh, By the way, I remember Adam Bellow, too. And Adam's the best. Yeah, he's very yeah, good. Great editor. And, uh, you know, we, we started to create cutting-edge fiction. And it's fiction that's going to, I think, Mark, it's going to make some ripples. Why? Because in an era in which writers are forced to write less and less, right, they can't, uh, you know, if you're a certain color or a certain religion or a certain, you know, sexual orientation, you only write about what you are and not and not go out of those bounds. Uh, this book sort of breaks all of that. And I, I believe that, that writing is about freedom. I think that that is the essence of writing. It enables us to imagine ourselves being somewhere else, someplace else, in different circumstances. And, and 
this this book I view as sort of a declaration of independence, of, of freedom, and uh, it's intensely important for me. And I think it, I, my readers will will have a great journey with it. So there's books within the book, really. Uh, and how so? How long? How long did it take you to put this together? Because obviously there are different stories in the book. A couple of years, certainly. But I, I drew on different experiences. I, I've been blessed by having a, a sort of varied life. I, as you know, I was a, I was a diplomat. I was a, a politician, a historian. I was a soldier for many years. I was in uh, several wars. I've been a, a father and a, and a, and a, and a husband and a, and a grandfather now several times over, wonderful grandkids. So I, I can draw on all those different experiences. Um, to write a war story and write a war story for someone who's actually been there. I have stories about the political world of Washington and intrigues in Washington. I've been there. Um, I had a strange uh, episode of my life. I worked in Hollywood. Believe it or not, I was Orson Welles' uh, assistant for a really? while. You, know, you, remember, you remember the Paul Masson wine commercials? Yeah, of course. No wine before it's time? Time, yeah. yeah I held the cue cards for that. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> By the way. Was he, was he a nice guy? He was a terrible man. Oh, boy. I was, he cursed everybody. I was so afraid he was going to curse me. And I was in charge of, of cutting his cigars and, and helping him on and off with his cape, uh, which weighed more than I did. It's a big uh, fella. And he was <laughs> big fella, big fella. Not a nice guy. But anyway, the Paul Nissan wine commercial. And uh, so I have stories about Hollywood. Um, I can draw on all these different experiences uh, throughout my life. And, it, it's, again, it's that act of freedom. And it's that sense of um, you know, delirious freedom that I want to import, impart to my readers. You sound so excited about your book, so engaged with your book. It's, 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 like, a, it's like a child, isn't it? <laughs> it is. And it is very much like a child because you, you, you curse it at certain days and, you, and you, uh, you want to tear your hair out. And other days you just want to embrace it and say you know, thank you to God and an inspiration for making the book possible. Um, but at the end of the day, it, it's, it's you and it's a very essential part of you that you're showing the world. And it's, um, it's a very special and intimate experience. So how many stories are in this book? Um, about 54. 54. And, and how long is the book? Crazy. I don't have it in front of me. The book is maybe about, it's about 300 pages. So many stories are only a page, page and a half. You know, it's interesting. I, I spent a good chunk of my life uh, in the Army. Um, I'm a reserve uh, major. I'm, I was uh, a paratrooper. I participated in several wars and, and operations. And, and there's some people who go through war, and that's all they ever write about. You remember James Jones? He, he wrote about World War II over and over again. Right. Uh, uh, I have one story about war that's about a page and a half. Mm-hmm. But in that page and a half is everything I went through mm-hmm. and everything I learned in combat. So it's, uh, it's, it's very intense. And what I, uh, one thing I love about short story writing is that it's the discipline. I always call it the haiku, uh, fiction because, you know, a novelist, you get 300 pages to tell a story in a short story writer has to do it in three pages. Mm-hmm. And in those two pages, you've got to have plot and character and dialogue and drama. I mean, that's discipline. And, uh, and I love the discipline. It, it takes more work, more brain power, people need to understand, to write something that's short and concise than to just write something that's long because you don't really have to. Yeah, it's, exactly. It's always in any type of writing. And uh, so, again, it, it is really like, like that haiku. And uh, every single word I would go as far as to say, every single letter in that short story counts. 
Well, I want my audience to give this a try. Go on Amazon.com, get a copy of The Night Archer and other stories. You can hear Michael Orton. You can hear how excited he is. You can hear how sharp he is, uh, the creativity and so forth. His background is really uh, varied and uh, in quite exceptional. So Michael Oren's book, The Night Archer and Other Stories, we will link to this on Mark Levin Show Facebook, Mark Levin Show Twitter. You can go directly to Amazon as well. You can enjoy it because you can read one story at a time or you can read them all, whatever you want. Michael, I want to thank you. I much, much thank appreciate you, you coming on. My pleasure. Be well. Be healthy. God you bless. too. God bless. He's a very unique uh, gentleman, very, very smart guy, and I think you're going to love this book. I don't normally talk about fiction, but this is multiple stories within one book. And it's kind of fun to read fiction. It's kind of fun. Sometimes you got to pull away from all this heavy-duty stuff. And uh, now is a great time to get the book. You can enjoy it over the, uh, over the long holiday weekend that's coming up. It's Michael Oren, the author, former ambassador of the United States from Israel, The Night Archer, and Other Stories. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. Yes, it's very easy to laugh at Joe Biden, even while he's hiding in the comfort of his basement. Yes, he's a daily gaffe machine who can't string three words together and come up with an original idea or thought. So it's painfully obvious that Biden is nothing more than a Trojan horse for the Democrats' radical agenda. And if he wins this November, America is in very, very serious trouble. The left will become even more unleashed, radical. will fundamentally transform this country into a place we won't be able to recognize. And I believe... The streets will become even more dangerous with even more riots. All right. I was out last Friday and the Friday before for work. Work. But coming tomorrow, I will not be back until next Thursday because that's time I'm taking off to visit family to make sure things are as they need to be. And so I will be here back on the radio next Thursday. Next Thursday, we have some of our great uh, a substitute hosts who will be here. I wanted to make sure the Republican convention was over. I wanted to make sure I took this time that I need to take um, before the real kick into the general election, and then we will be uh, we will be plowing ahead as we always do here. I take off less time, pretty much, than any other host, major host in America, and I I do that for a reason because I love what I do. 
and because I don't do vacations very well. Uh, but I do need to visit some family. I do need to get certain things done, like every other person who listens to this program. And back next Thursday, we'll be ready to rock and roll. Same with TV. I will not be doing Levin TV. And then uh, not this weekend, but next weekend is the long holiday weekend. Uh, and But we will be back here on Thursday. But I want to close with this for today. There's a piece in Spectator.org. Who is Helmut Norpath? And why does he say Trump will win big in The American Spectator by David Catrone, an excellent writer? Most political prognosticators delay their final predictions for a presidential race until the morning of Election Day. 2016, for example, Nate Silver of uh, 538 and Nate Kahn of The New York Times released their final projections during the wee hours of November 8. One forecaster, however, routinely publishes predictions six months in advance. Professor Helmut Norpath of Stony Brook University in New York, issued his last word on the Trump-Clinton contest in 2016, 246 days before the voters went to the poll. In March 2016, March, Norpoth confidently predicted Donald Trump would be elected president. He not only contradicted Silver, Khan, and countless other experts, he had the effrontery to be right. Helmut Norpoth's primary model has been right 25 of 27 times. And... It predicts in 2020, President Trump will defeat Joe Biden 362 to 176 in the Electoral College. So he predicts that Trump confidently will trounce Joe Biden in November. He gives the president a 91% chance of winning the election with that unambiguous number, 362 to 176 Electoral College margin. Now, this seems implausible, considering the avalanche of polls that portend Trump's imminent political demise. It will seem less so when North Pole's track record is taken into account. The 2016 election was by no means his first foray into political projections. His model has correctly predicted five of the last six presidential elections and 25 of 27. And so, God forbid if you're too confident and you're overly confident. We have to fight like we're behind by 20 points. We have to fight like they're going to try and steal the election. And that's exactly what they're trying to do on November 3rd. I've explained all the shenanigans to you already. But don't lose hope. The polls are tightening. Their candidate, after all, is Joe Biden. They don't have a lot to look forward to. Our candidate is Donald Trump, and he is a juggernaut. So we must fight. We must convince our fellow citizens. We need to break through the monopoly uh, ideological media in this country. We are an army of millions, and as an army of millions, if we can influence three, four, five, ten people, then we're an army of tens of millions, and that's what's required here. You can use social media. You can use your iPhone. You can use a telephone. You can use the dinner table, the breakfast table, walking your dog. You can use your, your office, whatever it takes, and it's never too early. Make sure you're registered to vote. Make sure your family, if they're pro-Trump, is registered to vote. Friends and neighbors who you know are going to vote for Trump, make sure they can vote for Trump and they're registered to vote. All these things need to be done in order for us to win. Ladies and gentlemen, we salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. I am blessed by you. I am blessed to be here. And I try to never let you down. 
I will see you next Thursday. Please tune in to our wonderful guest hosts. God bless each and every one of you, and be safe. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. 